worry, there will be an opportunity for you to check out the blog. It'll have the links to the podcast, all of that good stuff. And also, this coming Wednesday, the Church at War Hill will be hosting Ray Haynes as he teaches on this very same topic. In a so, much more abbreviated form. I was going to say, <laughs> definitely be shorter. <laughs> uh, but then you can point people back to the podcast because there'll be much more there. So we've been making our way through the courtyard and we've been talking about the Last Supper and we've gotten to the point where we got to talk about that guy that was there that nobody knew except for Jesus was going to turn him over. And it's interesting. The, you know, when we've learned about the tabernacle, we realize it was the cross. And so it makes sense that the focus, if you want to understand the tabernacle better, one of the places you could go is the Last Supper, the last Passover that they had. And it sends revelation. But there's some things that just... They, none of the things that they did were really fitting into Passover and the reason of because it, it was the Day of Atonement. And so he was flipping the script on them and they were confused. And then no more so than this next event. You know, Jesus washing their feet is the first sign that this last Passover was really emerging into the Day of Atonement. It completely confused Peter. But the next change of the Seder would get everybody. I mean, of course, Peter, there's no worse day of his life. I mean, it, from beginning to end, it's just... It is bad for him. He's uh, He recovers, but one guy doesn't recover, and uh, unfortunately, he, he just made some bad decisions. But John 13 tells the story. Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another and at a loss <laughs> to know which of them he meant. Isn't that funny? Because all of us are going, It's Judas! It's Judas! But these guys have been together three and a half years, and they're all going, Is it me? Is it me? Is it you? Is, is it you? you? Is it me? <laughs> So one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, John yes. was reclining next to him, Peter, that is. Simon Peter motioned to his disciple and said, so they're across from each other. Ask him which one he means. And leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Peter, having profoundly messed up the foot washing, decides to get help on this one. you got to appreciate that. It's just like, okay, <laughs> let's see if I can do better. Jesus answered, it's the one to whom I'll give the piece of bread when I've dipped it in the dish. So this... Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. Mm. That's interesting. So, Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do quickly. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. So, in terms of the tabernacle, Jesus washed their feet, even Judas. So, he's brought them all to the laver, and so he opened the door of truth into the holy place for them all. Now, they've been disciples, but now they are priests, just like us. They're all clean by his word, but not Judas. So now they face the lampstand, the showbread, and the altar of incense. They're inside the holy place where only priests could go. The light of the lampstand certainly reveals sin. Judas has that. The altar of incense receives prayer and worship, but Judas can't do that with an unclean heart. The showbread must be eaten there in God's presence. But the sop is Judas's undoing, that piece of bread. It's given to the one closest or dearest to you. So Jesus gives it to Judas. Now, mind you, this is their fourth Passover. He's probably given it to, to James and to Peter and to John. And here we are at the most important one, and he gives it to Judas? What? But it's him saying, I'm drawn closest to you. I love you. It's a moment that he misses. Judas can't respond in truth. See, they walk through the, the way, and now they're in the truth. And his heart isn't close to Jesus. He does not love him. He can't give Jesus his sop. His only option is to flee. 
And this is where the story and the tabernacle collide in a really sad way. And you might not have ever looked at this, but in Matthew 27, Judas is filled with remorse for betraying the Lord. And he tries to return the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest. Now, you have to remember, you're in the tabernacle here. Judas goes to the priest of the tabernacle, whose primary job is to offer sacrifices for sins just like betrayal. And what does Judas do? He returns the money, and he confesses his sin to the priests, just as the Torah requires. But what do they say, these priests of the tabernacle? What is that to us? You see to it. They betrayed him. (laughs) Wow. Mm. They refused to bring him forgiveness because they were culpable with his sin. When they refused to accept the money, Judas throws the coins into the temple and leaves and hangs himself. Mm. Now, here's what's interesting, as if everything isn't interesting. The word betray is related to the word used in the Garden of Eden for being made naked or uncovered. Remember, covered is kind of the theme word today. Betray and uncovered, same thing. The word has to do with a mantle or authority being stripped from them. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. There's probably a sense of the cherubim's role here as well, because they're the cherubim who cover. The Hebrew meaning of that word covering is anointing. We call it Shekinah, Shekinah, but the Shekinah, the Holy Spirit. God does more than just cover Adam and Eve's nakedness. God restores their anointing with the skins of an animal and with the blood of that sacrifice. Now, he doesn't, he can't do everything they need done because they've sinned. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He made that to kill himself. And of course, it's a killer. And so death is what they got. Without the shedding of blood, though, there's no remission or removal of the sin. So he does that. He kills this animal. Then, of course, God casts them out of the garden to the east. Interestingly, on Yom Kippur, there is a two-part sacrifice featuring two goats. One is sacrificed for sin. One is sent into the wilderness as a scapegoat bearing the sin. Both goats, of course, are Jesus. But back in Eden, an animal played the part of the first goat sacrifice for their blood and skin to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve. And then, interestingly enough, Adam and Eve were the second goat walking off into the wilderness, never to return to their garden tabernacle. Mm. And they went right up over the what would have been the Mount of Olives. It's why the betrayal or nakedness played such a large role for Jesus. After the last Passover meal, Jesus would go to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he was betrayed again with a kiss, right? Then he was uncovered, or he was made naked again, beaten and killed on the cross in that uncovered or naked manner. The cross and that nakedness was all part of God's role as the second Adam in his redemption for man's failure in the garden. And of course, there's another layer. (laughs) In the Garden of Eden, the serpent was called cunning, right? And his words deceived them, so sin happened. In English, there's no connection there between Adam and Eve being naked and the serpent being cunning. But it's very different in Hebrew. There's a play on words in the two verses. The Hebrew word that means cunning and the word naked share the exact same roots. They both have to do with being uncovered. When Adam and Eve sinned, they placed themselves outside of God's covering, Shekinah, by acting like the uncovered former cherubim, Satan. It's, It's not just that they were unclothed, they were clothed with shame. That was a problem. So they sewed together leaves to replace the covering they lost. Unfortunately, that wasn't really the covering that was the most important. (laughs) Likewise, the serpent, the one called Hillel or Lucifer, which means shining one, 
was created by God to be one of the highest orders of angelic beings, a cherub. Ezekiel 28, we talked a lot about this verse earlier, that prior to his rebellion, Hillel was the anointed cherub that covers. We know him as Satan. The word's a transliteration of the Hebrew Satan, which is the word for adversary, one who withstands an accuser. The loss of Shekinah for him meant going from covering to exposing. And ironically, the alternate meaning of Hillel, or it comes from Yalel, is howling or wailing. That's Satan. But while Jesus was betrayed and made naked, like Adam and Eve, he was also glorified. Back in John 13, following the exit of Judas, I mean, boy, what a transformation here. Here's what John noticed. When he was gone, that is Judas, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. You notice one word in there? <laughs> glory, 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 glory filled his soul. It's interesting that as Jesus announces the betrayal, he was troubled in spirit. But when Judas leaves the room to actually betray him, Jesus, Jesus completely transforms from troubled in, to excited. Worship that includes five glories. Like the word betray, the word glory also has to do with the weight of the mantle or covering. And so we'll we'll discover a little bit more about that word later on. Uh, coming up next, we've uh, came to the bronze altar, the bronze laver, and the next place that we're going to come to is where we just talked a little bit about the door of the holy place. So the way was the out there, now we're to the truth. And look at the lampstand as well, the light of God. So uh, let's come up next. <laughs> 